in and so be it or type in amen. Amen. Well, we're excited to join you again on this Sunday, family. Welcome. We're glad to have you. We want you to just let us know. This is roll call again. Just check in. Let us know where you're viewing us from today. Type in your name. My wife and I, we enjoy going back and reading all of the comments just to know that our people are well and God is good. We know that some are experiencing challenges. And we are standing with you. We know that this too shall pass that's right. because God is faithful. Yes, that's Now, today right. is traditionally known as Palm Sunday, and this is when Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You can find that account in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any of the four Gospels. Some refer to it as Passion Week. And so I invite you to go and read the story. Today, my wife and I, we're led to minister in a different direction. We're led to really minister to you about your covenant rights in God, okay? And so we believe that during this season, we have rights. We have privileges. There are things that God has afforded us that my wife and I, through the Holy Spirit, want to make sure that you understand it is for you. You do not have to succumb to anything that's going on in this world. You actually have authority over it. Now, when we talk about covenant rights, every covenant has three components. Don't forget that all of these notes can be found right in our Linked Up Church app. You can also visit the Uversion Bible app as well. The outline is there. We're going to give you a lot more than what's in the outline because we want you to take notes. We don't want you to sit on that couch and fall asleep. That's we right. want to make sure that you're taking notes and adding uh, the additional information that we're giving you to your notes. So every covenant has three components. It's not on that outline, so make sure that you write it down. It has rights, it has privileges, and it has responsibilities. By definition, covenant can be defined this way. It is a mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons to do or forbear some act or thing. It is to grant or promise by covenant or to bind oneself. Rights, by definition, is defined that which is or that which justly belongs to one according to facts or truth. And so we're just going to introduce this to you before we get into all of your rights. We want to establish just eight foundational truths that really contrast the old covenant to the new covenant and really lays the foundation for everything that we have authority to lay, lay and claim right to in this new covenant. And my wife will start with point number one. Well, that's right. So what we're going to do is give you the foundation of covenant and why it's so important that you understand what happened in the old and what you have in the new. They're both braided together and they both offer you great power, ability, and authority. But you, sometimes we suffer because we ha have a lack of knowledge. So we want to empower you with this information. And as Pastor Gregory said, to compare that which was happening in the old and bring you up to how it correlates with us in this new covenant, this new promise that we have in Christ. Now, point number one, Jesus brings us a new covenant having fulfilled the old covenant. Now, we didn't just do away and say, hey, the Old Testament doesn't matter. No, Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant. He was the answer. He was the fulfillment. He was the check that said done in the Old Covenant. Now, what we want to do is I, I want to make sure so that everyone understands 
the, 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 what exactly happened in our salvation. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, it offers a great summary of what happened in the old covenant in those old days that we read about. The Ten Commandments was on last night. So what happened in the old covenant versus what was, what's happening now. So we're going to read through this, and I want you to hang with me because this will offer you a great summary of everything that Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 10, I'll be reading from the Passion Translation. Verse 1. The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with this steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. Now, in the King James Version, what correlates right there is that he compares this shadow to the very image. In other words, the Old Testimony, the Old Covenant, was just a shadow of God's blessing, whereas the New Covenant was the very image, i.e., Jesus Christ, of the blessing that is inherently ours through Christ. Yeah. It goes on to say in verse 2, For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered, and the worshipers would have clean consciousness. consciousness. Instead, once was not enough, so by the repetitive sacrifice, year after year, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. Verse 4, for what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? See, when we become born again, understand, saints, that we became conscious of what's wrong is wrong. And what is wrong is not good. And it's not good for us, in us, and through us. And so, therefore, when you're born again, our heart's intent Everything in us, I hope the spirit within us wants to do what pleases God and wants to be right. That's right. So, see, the value of, of fasting, the self-sacrifice, self-neglect, no, low self-esteem, Jesus said, nuh-uh, you can't qualify for God's best, but I can to make you qualify for his best. So, therefore, this old stuff, the sacrifices and everything else, getting caught up in what you do versus who you are, I've done away with that because you are my priesthood. You are royal. You are kingdom citizens. And I come to give you your stamp of citizenship. Amen. Yeah. Verse 5, he says, so when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I'll be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that's written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law requires them to be offered. And then he said, God, I will be the one to go to do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. Good. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy, and for all through the sacrifice, the, once and for all, and through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. Yet every priest, every day, priests still serve ritually, offering the same sacrifices again and again. Sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. See, understand, saints, that Jesus, he said, 
I, since how, how is it that what you made inferior to humanity is offered up as a sacrifice for humanity? No, that doesn't satisfy sin's consequence. So therefore, I'll put on this limited clothes called flesh and blood, and I'll go into the earth by way of natural order, and I will become the one and only sacrifice because only something superior to humanity can redeem humanity back to you. That's good. And because God loved us so much, he ensured through Christ Jesus that that sacrifice would remain pure so that there would be no blemish upon him. Hence, the Lamb of God who is offered up once and for all to make you pure, to make you whole, to make you holy in spite of what you've been through, in spite of what you've done, in spite of those thoughts, in spite of what's going on. Some people think because I'm experiencing bad things, I must be doing something bad. No, there's an evil enemy out there that's relentless in conquering you. And you just got to know that there is a God who loves you and has delivered you and wants the best for you and has sacrificed his very best for you so that you can have everything that he intended for you to have from that garden. That's good news. Verse 12, but when this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God. He said, it's done. Drop the mic. Verse 13, waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into his footstool. And by his one sacrifice, perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by his scripture. For the Lord says afterwards, I'll give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. Mm. See, oftentimes we get caught up in what we have, but God wants us to be caught up in who we are in him. That's good. And who he made us to be. Verse 17. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. God's not thinking about what you did. He's not thinking about what you did last decade. He's not thinking about what you did last year. He's not thinking about what you did last month. He's not thinking about what you did last night. If you repented and your heart is to be right with God, he wipes the slate clean and says, restart every single time. That's good news. Praise God. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomed us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. No hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. His body was torn open, literally and spiritually. They, they crushed his body. They scourged him with the crown of thorns. They whipped him and tore him apart so that you could have fresh access to the throne room of God. Fresh access. And there's nothing you could do to erase it. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at distance from him. 
for our hearts have been sprinkled, washed with the blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises of healing. He always keeps his promises of provision. He always keeps his promises of favor. He always keeps his promise of instruction and direction. He always keeps his promise of righteousness and redemption. Yeah. He always keeps his promise of forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the time to, pl to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Nothing puts a man's spiritual life. Listen to this, folks. I got this out of a commentary. Because it's, it's, it's something how we go from the covenant, we go from the blood, we go from his, to his body, we go to the promises of God, and then he says, so therefore we need to continue to keep, keep, keep meeting together. We might not be together physically, but spiritually and virtually we can continue to edify one another, encourage one another, love on one another. And this is what the commentary says according to the passage of Hebrews chapter 10. Nothing puts a man's spiritual life in more serious peril than irregular attendance at the services of his church. Nothing more readily checks the process of spiritual culture. Nothing affords a more injurious example to others and nothing indicates a weaker sense of the responsibilities other, under which a man comes in entering the fellowship of a church. These duties wait on privileges. There can be no enjoyment of the privilege without meeting the obligations. Let no one deceive himself on that point. See, the church is not the building. You are the church. And when we come together, we create the holy of holies. We are a bunch of temples of the living God that come together to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, to, to provoke one another unto good works and righteousness. That's good. So therefore, though we're not physically together, it's imperative that we stay spiritually connected, edified, and hooked up to one another. That's so good. So if you think about that, if I'm hearing you correctly then, he set all of that in order so that we could come together more and more. That's right. And then he went on to say, as we see that day approaching, we need to come together more. Right. So think about that. So in a corporate worship setting, God says, all of my covenant is available to you. That's right. And that's literally, it's almost symbolic then of the Old Testament where the tabernacle had three phases, the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. That's so right. anytime we come together as the church and we corporately worship, we are entering into the Holy of Holies. Which is why he says that I inhabit the praises of my people. He dwells which there. Is he why, lives and there. he lives there. Which is why he says, well, two or three come together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And then we have access to every promise he has ever provided for us. We literally have access and can manifest that in our lives. So listen, church, don't get comfortable staying home. Ha. I need somebody to say amen right that's there. That's right. That's I'm talking right. about sitting right at your couch in, in your living room. Don't think this is the new way that God wants us to do things. It is not the new way. It is a temporary way. But once this is over, I, we need to hug your neck. We need to shake your hand. We need corporate worship. We need the environments where we can all come together. We need small groups. We need dream teams. We need to stay connected because it is God's ultimate will for our lives. That's right. Point number two, 
Point number two says, as the old covenant was sealed with circumcision, the new covenant is sealed with the new birth. So I want you to think about it this way. The old covenant, those individuals had to do something. In the new covenant, all we have to do is receive something. That's right. Let me also give you some terms when Paul is writing here. Whenever you see the word circumcision, he's referring to the Jews. When you see uncircumcision, he's referring to the Gentiles, those that have been alienated from God. But how many of y'all know through Christ, we have been brought back close and brought back now? That's right. That's and so right. let's read this. In Romans chapter 3, I'm going to back up to verse 25. You have 28, Romans chapter 2. I'm going to back up to verse 25. You have 28 and 29 on your outline, but I want to back up to verse 25. Notice what Paul says here in the Passion Translation. He says, you trust in the covenant sign of circumcision, which was the outward cutting of the flesh. Somebody say, ouch. Ooh. Yet circumcision only has value if you faithfully keep the teachings of the law. But if you violate the law, then you have invalidated your circumcision. And if the uncircumcised Jew or Gentiles once faithfully keep the law, won't his obedience make him more Jewish than the actual right of circumcision? If you're understanding, Paul was dealing with a lot of individuals who were converted from Judaism, Judaism over into Christianity. And so what they wanted to do was keep practicing the law, even though through Christ they had been set free from it. And Paul had to address it, and he had to deal with these things. So notice what he says. And if the uncircumcised one faithfully keeps the law, won't his obedience make him more Jewish than the actual right of circumcision? And won't the one who has never had the knife cut his foreskin be your judge when you break the law? Romans chapter 2, 28 and 29. You are not a Jew if it's only superficial, for it's more than a surgical cut of the knife that makes you Jewish. But you are Jewish because of the inward act of spiritual circumcision. Watch this. A radical change that lays bare in your heart. See, God is not interested in what you do. He, he's interested in who you are. That's right. That's he's right. more interested in what's going on on the inside than he ever will be what's going on on the outside. That is so good. He said, it's not by the principle of law, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So then your praise will not come from people, but from God. And if I can just take a moment to encourage somebody watching right now, we live too much for the approval of people. And we need to be free from the approval of people. Because right here, if you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and you are living for an audience of one, and your heart and your desire is to please God, and if other people don't agree with that, if they don't see that as right, you've got to learn how to say, you know what, as long as God is pleased, I am happy. And if, God, right. if right. God approves it, then that's all I need. Because listen, if God is on your side, you don't have to worry about what anybody else that's is right. trying to do to you. Listen, if your heart is right before God, he will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. That's right. If you'll that's keep right. your mind stayed on him, he'll keep you in perfect peace. 
even in the midst of everything that is going on in our world. That's right. So you can see here a major difference between the old and the new. The old was outward. The new is inside, internal. And you know what I heard when you were talking about that? You know, circumcision, <laughs> believe it, it primarily refers to the men, to the men. And so when you think about the new covenant made sure that everyone had access to the throne room of God. Understood, not just the it wasn't the segregation that man had created through this circumcision. Mm. But now Jesus said, all things are made new. So therefore, you all have access. That's good. Man, woman, boy, and girl. That's good. That's good. That's good. Excellent. Point number three. The co old covenant had the Levitical priesthood. The new covenant has Jesus as the high priest, and we are his holy priesthood. See, beforehand, you had to be born into this priesthood. But when you have Christ Jesus, you're automatically defaulted into this priesthood. So you're born again. You're born again into this priesthood. And there, you don't have to know all the law inside and out. In fact, he don't even care about the law. There's only two things he care about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's good. And that's easy, right? That's well, it's easy to say. Right. <laughs> We're still working on the doing part. Yes. Amen. Amen. But so 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, again in the Passion. It says, so abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, and slander. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have experienced his kindness. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Think about that. Almost everybody rejected Jesus in his day. On this day, over 2,000 years ago, we, we still celebrate to this day the Hosanna, Hosanna. Everyone screaming from the mountaintop that he is the king, he is the Lord. And seven days later, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. Those that love you can easily turn to not liking you, to not loving you. But when Christ is on your side, when you are on God's side, let me say it that way, yeah. there's nothing that man can do unto you. Yeah. You and God are the majority. Right. You and God do win as long as you're aligned with him. Yeah. And then it says here in verse 5, and come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. No one understand that he calls you holy. Yeah. He calls us righteous. Right. He calls us redeemed. He calls us a royal priesthood. Check this out. He calls you peculiar. He calls you peculiar, but yet he says at the end of the day, you're mine yeah. and all mine. Yeah. And nothing shall separate you from my love towards you. Yeah. And so when he says that through Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, and we become his holy priesthood, what he is saying that because of Jesus, you've been made correct. You've been made right. See, oftentimes people don't want to come to God. People don't want to convert, uh, uh, commit themselves to Christianity, don't want to come to church because they say they got to get themselves right. right. You can't get yourself right. That's right. 
<laughs> there is nothing that you can do to qualify for the realm of heaven but by way of Jesus Christ. There are prisoners in jail right now living life righteous, living life free, living life delivered, living life redeemed. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the shed blood of Jesus. Yeah. There are people in church who still in bondage and still in denial right. and still in, 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 in sin because they have not received what the blood had offered. The blood offered you a priesthood. The blood erased your sins. The blood washed you and made you clean. And because of that, are you made holy? And we want you to get that so that you understand that the rights and privileges you have come with responsibility. And in that responsibility, for first part, is to just accept it, yeah. that you are good. Yeah, that's good. And God made you that way through his blood. Now that's good. So with a covenant, what I'm hearing you say, there are two sides to every covenant. There's God's side, and then there's man's, man's side. side. So in the first part of that, man has a responsibility then to abandon, verse 1, every form of evil that's right god's not gonna abandon it for you you have to make the choice to abandon that exactly oftentimes people pray god take this away from me no he gave you the ability to right. abandon it right so, so if he so if i see myself as royalty i don't want to go back to that stuff anyway oh, it's beneath you because he brought me up so much higher so high than so, so then high. I want to abandon every form of evil because I'm royalty now. Exactly. I want to abandon deceit and hypocrisy, which is my part, because he made me royalty. That's right. I want to abandon. I don't need to be jealous of anybody else because he already gave me everything that I need. You are uniquely and wonderfully I'm, I'm made. I'm peculiar. I'm unique. I'm royalty. So why am I concerned about what he has or what she has when we all have the same father? And if he did it for them, then I know my father will do that for me. And no one can do in you and through you what God can do in you and through you because you are unique. So if you understand that, family, he made you royalty. So abandon all the stuff that pulls you away from the royalty that he made you. Yes. Number four. You got anything yeah, else on that? I don't care where you are in life. Come on. Some of you may be listening in prisons. Okay. Some of you might be listening in rehabilitation centers. All right. Some of you might be listening getting high right now. If you are in Christ Jesus, he set you free. Yeah. If you are in Christ Jesus, he made you holy. Yeah. If you are in Christ Jesus, guess what? You are royalty. And it doesn't take qualifications. It just takes believing. It takes faith. Yeah. And you have it within you because you are his creation to receive it. Go ahead and say it over yourself right now. Just put your hand over your own heart and say, I am royalty. I am royalty. Type it in if you need to. Whatever you need to do, see yourself the way God sees you. I'm telling you, don't look at where you're at right now. See yourself the way God sees you. And it won't be long before everything around you, around you looks as royal as you actually are. Oh, watch out. Number four, the first priesthood had a temple in which God dwelt in the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant. So I want to challenge you. I want you to go back and read the entire chapter of Exodus chapter 40. Moses was really given the task to build uh, the tabernacle of meetings. And that tabernacle, as we talked about, had three phases to it. It had the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies, which she read in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. The priest could only go in there once a year. So Moses had the responsibility of anointing Aaron and putting on the sacred ceremonial clothes 
clothing on Aaron and his sons. And when I was studying that on last night, I was like, man, that is a lot to go through <laughs> just to get to God. I mean, they had to wash their hands and almost take a bath before they could even go into the next phase. I'm so glad that all we've got to do now is bust up into the throne room boldly. Come on, somebody. And, and just say, Daddy, I need you. I need help. I need grace. I need mercy in my time of need. But go back and read that because we are under such a far greater covenant. Let's read it. Uh, Exodus chapter 40, verse 30, uh, 34 and 35. New King James Version says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meetings. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meetings because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle. So if we start contrasting this to everything that we've been talking about, every time the praise and worship team comes forward, and when we're all in this building together, and when we all corporately worship God, the glory of God just ushers into this place. And it begins to remove anything that did not come from God. That is what's so special about this. The thing about this Old uh, Testament tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant set in it. And then God's glory would rest over it. It would rest over it as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so every morning, the children of Israel had to wake up to see if God wanted to move. And so if that cloud didn't move, you know what he was saying to them? Stay home. That's kind of like what we're under right now, right? Exactly. He's saying stay in until, <laughs> stay, until stay I'm in. ready to move. And most of that had to do with their disobedience and their obedience, whether or not they move forward. It took them 40 years to get where they were trying to go because of disobedience. Folks, I came to tell somebody today under this new covenant, man, all the promises of God are yes, yes and amen. Amen. And what used to take 40 years, God can get done in 40 days if he needs to. It just takes faith. That's right. So in contrast to the royal priesthood that had a temple in which God dwelt in, now we contrast it with point number five. In the new covenant, our bodies are the temple of God and the spirit dwells in us. That's good. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and his spirit dwells within us. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 in the passion, it says, don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary Whoa. and that the spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. Permanent. Now, if I can just be transparent Please. in my salvation, there was a season when I first got saved that I thought that I needed to become holy for God. And I thought that I, that, that it was, that it was beneficial to God that I cleanse myself of anything that I thought was wrong. And I, had, I adopted a sense of religion. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I, I started, you know, before I didn't know any better, yeah, I was that arrogant Christian that was kind of judgmental. And I can't do that, and you're, you're, you shouldn't do that. And, and, and so it turns a lot of my friends and loved ones off because I didn't realize that it's the Holy Spirit that made me holy. Yeah. So therefore, instead of me trying to be holy on the outside, still knowing about the things and the issues that I was dealing with on the inside, I had to now go in and receive that holiness and receive that I was now the temple. I am now above 
and, and, and made clean and I'm above doing that which was sinful or contrary to pleasing God. Not that I'm that way, but he made me that way. Yeah. So when you understand the old covenant and that, and that tabernacle and how they had to go through a cleansing process before they went through any, uh, anything else, again, it was more caught up in, it was more external than it was internal. And God's not so caught up in what you do He's caught up in who you are for him. He's caught up in where is your heart, baby girl? Where is your heart, baby boy? I love you in spite of what you're thinking. I'm not thinking about that, but I want who you are. I don't want what you have. See, what you have is just a demonstration of who you are. And if what you have is so big and so mighty as far as your time, your obedience, your deeds, your money, your affections, if all that you have is so big that it, it makes your identity, then you've missed the mark in who you are and who I created you to be. First so Corinthians chapter 6, verses 20, 19 and 20, the Passion Translation says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase. He spared no expense to get you. And he said, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. For some, you might know it as G5G, glorify God, right? But, at this, but what he's saying, this is mouth. He just got through talking about fornication. He just got through, in the previous, I encourage you to go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but he just got through talking about keeping yourself holy and what that means. And he says the one sin that man does against himself is fornication. And so he's saying here that you are so much better. You are worth the prize. You are worth the weight. You are worth the sacrifice. In other words, I gave my best for you to purchase you, to make you mine. The greatest thing that you can surrender to God is your will. That's what he wants. He wants your will. He wants you to say, I want to love you. I want to please you. I want to serve you. And in that, now we engraft ourselves into this covenant. God's not lining himself up with you. He's asking you to line himself up with him. Yeah. See, understand that every word that's in this, in this Bible, in this book, this book of instructions before living earth, is laced with the anointing. It's laced with power. It's laced with promise. And, and when you align yourself up with that word, you automatically ignore night and make available to you all of his promises which are yes and amen but not because you said it because he said it so when we align our will with his when we decide to abstain from fornication we decide not to lie when we decide not to steal when we decide not to manipulate when we decide not to cheat now he says oh you are the priest that has qualified yourself by pleasing me yeah. see I love my husband and I want to please him because I love him I don't please him to get him to love me. Okay. I'm very confident that he loves. Don't get it twisted. I'm very confident of his love towards me. Yeah. But even if he was to go sideways, I'm even more confident of God's love towards me. That's good. And because I'm so confident of his love towards me, it propels me, it compels me to love him back. And when you love someone, you want to please him. You don't please out of obligation. You please out of desire. Out of desire. Out of desire. So when the desire comes. Oh, it is the well of life. Yeah. yeah. It brings forth fruit. I feel my help coming on. Hallelujah. 
Now, now listen, so I'm hearing a couple of things here. We have been bought with a price. Yes. That price was the precious shed blood of Jesus. Yes. He literally called our bodies sanctuaries. That's right. So he said, I no longer want to dwell in temples made with hands. That's right. That's too cheap. Yes. He said, I want to dwell in expensive things. Fine things. Royal things. That's greater than gold. I want to gr- really live in my most prized possession. That's right. Which is mankind. That's right. Male and female. That's right. And they become my sanctuary. That's right. So I want you to think about something, family. If God is living on the inside of you, everywhere you go, you take him with you. You shining. He said as a result of that then, he specifically said, therefore, or as a result of that, glorify God or glorify me with your body and your spirit, which belong to God. I wanted to bring that point out as we close, as we prepare to close today. Your body is not your own. That's right. You cannot do with it whatever makes you feel good. The price that was paid for it is far too great for you to cheapen it by doing things that you know God is not pleased with. Some of you right now listening are living below what he made you. That's right. And I'm telling you, don't get in any condemnation because there is therefore now no condemnation. But remember what it says to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's right. It's real simple to just see yourself the way God sees you. See yourself as valuable. And I'm speaking to some men out there because a lot of times today, men don't see it as manly to save yourself till you get married. I'm telling you, the greatest, you can't be a stronger man. You can't be more manly than to keep your zipper zipped up and to save yourself until you get married. There is not a greater manly act that you can do than to save yourself until marriage. And listen, married man, there's nothing greater you can do in terms of glorifying God with your body than to only use your body to love your wife. That's right. That's right. And oh, only I, your wife. I, I couldn't feel nothing through that screen right now. There, there is greater, no greater thing you can do as a husband than to use your body to only honor your wife. That's right. In fact, Romans chapter 12, baby, reminds I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to offer up your bodies through the mercies of God as living. a living sacrifice. And he said, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. reasonable. This is the least you can do. This is your reasonable service is to offer up your body as a living sacrifice. So God shed his blood so that he could have a church, single people, that saved itself until it got married. It's quiet in this building, too. I said God, he shed his precious blood so that he could have a church full of single people who saved themselves until they got married. But also full of married people that are honorable and covenant-keeping people that will honor him in his church. And I don't care what church you may be going to, different churches doesn't disqualify or qualify you. We're one body. That's right. Called to one mission, serving one God. And this B-I-B-L-E applies to us all across the slate. If you call yourself Christian and you believe heaven is your home, guess what? You are right in line to do and be what he says for you to do and be. And therefore, his promises, healing, yes, Yes. amen, amen. favor, healing, 
Favor, yes, amen. Yes. Provision, yes, amen. Favor, yes, amen. Peace, yes, amen. And this just came up. Someone who might be in this season of self-quarantine and isolation right now, you may be in a household that's not conducive to what you think peace is. But understand that the greatest peace is that peace that Jesus gave the people in the midst of a storm. Yeah. And when you make him his sanctuary and you trust him, yeah. you trust him above the provision that a man might give you. Yeah. You trust him above the, 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 the comfort that man might give you. Listen, he'll take you way beyond your current circumstances. That's good. That's so good. There's no environment in which God cannot inhabit to give you what you need. That's so good. You just have to be strong enough to make the tough decisions to trust him. That's so good. Listen, glorifying God with your body is not limited to the things that we just talked about. Remember, if he's living on the inside of you, every time you eat right, you're glorifying God with your body. That's right. Every time you wake up and decide to exercise, you're, what you're saying is God lives on the inside of me, and I want to present him right to the world. Don't get in any condemnation. Just change the way you think and realize that God himself lives in you. And every time you take care of your temple, you are glorifying God with your body. Every time you get down to pray, every time you study, anything that you do for God, you are using your body to glorify him. Church, let's make sure that we don't waste that precious blood that was paid for us. Let's not waste it, but let's value it and treat it right, and let's walk in everything that God has for us all the days of our lives. We're just going to unplug right here. We'll unplug at point number five. We'll pick up next week with point number six. But I want everyone watching online, I just want you to begin to search your heart right now. Look on the inside of you, and I just want you to begin to think about do I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Am I taking advantage of everything that God has provided for me through the shed blood of Jesus in this new covenant? Am I actually living and walking that out? And if you're not today, I don't want you to really let this moment pass by. There's information on your screen right now. I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. My wife said something excellent earlier. If you could get your life together on your own, you would have it together. You need God. You need Jesus Christ. It's not you get your life together and come to Christ. It's you give your life to Christ and he gets your life together. So if you want to do that, respond to that information that's on your screen. My second invitation, maybe this is what you needed in your life, just something to quiet you down and slow you down to help you realize you've gotten away from God. You've gotten away from all the things that you know are the right things to do. You are not in a good relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're out of fellowship. Today you're saying, Pastor, I want to repent and I want to get my life back right with God. If that's you today, there's an opportunity for you to take advantage of that. Thirdly, if you've never been baptized filled with the Holy Spirit, we can get you taken care of right over the phone. Believe it or not, no one was with me when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I read the verses in the scriptures. I listened to a, a CD or a tape at that time, and God filled me all by myself in my bedroom. If you want to learn more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of praying in other tongues, on that card uh, right there on your screen or the information that's being provided for you, just check that box. Somebody will follow up with you and lead you in that right over the phone. Lastly, 
people are still joining Linked Up Church virtually. And so if you want to join and make Linked Up Church your church home, my wife and I will be happy to have you. We'll pray for you every single day of our lives. And every time you come in this building, we will make sure that you get or, or watch virtually. We'll make sure that you get the Word of God and the Word of God only. I want to pray for two of those invitations right now. So if you would, stretch your hands towards the, your screen right now. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. is the Son of God. I believe, I believe that, he died, that He died, rose from the grave, rose from the and grave. He is alive right now. He's alive right Lord, now. Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my and, heart. Save me now. and save me now. As as a, as a result of what I confess with my mouth, what I, what I believe in my heart, I am right now, I am right now born, again, born again and in right standing with God, right standing and all my sins, all my sins are, forgiven are forgiven in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen, 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 and amen. amen. If you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart today, follow the instructions that are on your screen right now fill out the information, fill out, check the information that applies to you, and we will follow up with you accordingly. Hello, family. Thank you for joining our online service today. I want to invite you to become a part of our online community by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Download the Linked Up Church app. Visit our website to find out everything that's going on here at Linked Up Church. If you desire to help us reach more people just like you, you can do so by clicking the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, to family, to purpose, and community. Thanks again for watching our service on today. We were so excited to have you and see you next time.